Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season 3, episode 20, The Charnel Pit. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Jim Henshaw, directed by Armin Mastriani. Original air date, May 14th, 1990. And we're back with Season 3, Episode 20, The Charnel Pit. The Cursed Antique is a double-sided painting that acts as a timeline portal when it's touched by blood. One person is sent to the past alive, and another person carrying gifts is sent forward dead. So, Kim is back. Yay! <laughs> so, as we just talked about before we started recording, this is the last episode of the series. And it's funny because we published the first episode of Warehouse 13 on August 17, 2020. And this episode should get published almost three years to the date that we started. Oh, wow. And so we managed to do two full series in only three years. Nice. So when we started the Friday the 13th leg of the 13th Warehouse, we were doubling and sometimes tripling up episodes because it wasn't streaming anywhere that I knew of and I figured people would have no way to watch along unless they had the DVDs. But then we noticed it turned out a lot of people were listening. So while we were still in the first season, we started going episode by episode. But still, I feel like we got through the whole series faster than I thought we would. Nice. Yeah. So in this episode, Professor E.B., or Ebby, is giving a class on the Marquis du Sade. And just as an FYI, in case someone hasn't heard of the Marquis du Sade, um, and this is from Wikipedia, and I'll put a link on the website. The Marquis du Sade was a French nobleman, revolutionary politician, philosopher, and writer, famous for his literary depictions of libertine sexuality, as well as numerous accusations of sex crimes. So this professor seems to be a fan of the Marquis de Sade and says that exploring our dark side is essential. One of his students, I think her name is Catherine. I've called her Catherine through all my notes. They never said her name, but now I'm confused because the maid's name was Catherine. So I don't know if her name is really Catherine. When I look at the credits to get the names of the characters, because sometimes they just never say them, um, the pictures they have are pictures of people as they look in 2023. So I can't always tell (laughs) who they were, you know. So I'm calling her Catherine. If that's not her name, I'm sorry. So this student intently disagrees with him and says there's a psycho loose in the city right now. Women are disappearing and bodies are turning up in the river. They've even lost a student from that class. And she angrily asks if he's saying that it's okay because it's just someone like Dusad exploring their dark side. So after class, another student, Stephanie, waits to tell him how enlightening she finds his class. She goes home with him and talks about some books she read by an author who turned out to be the professor's father. She mentions the Marquis' unpublished manuscripts and how much they would be worth if they were found today. And even... I don't know if it's E.B. or Ebby. I can't remember. Do you remember? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two women who can't remember anything. We're back. <laughs> Ebby believes that if they were found, they would provide that many more ways to explore our dark nature and make it harder for the world to turn away. I guess he's saying it would make it easier for the world to accept people's dark sides, I guess, is what he's saying. I'm not sure. So he lets her into a room 
and shows her a painting from back in the Marquis' timeline that may or may not have been painted by him. He blindfolds her and bites her lip. He takes her hand with the blood from her lip on it and puts it on the painting and tells her to do anything he asks because he has all the answers they seek. He being the Marquis, we find out later. And Ebby sends her through the painting back in time and she's met by the Marquis de Sade. Back at the store, Jack has received a bill from someone who Lewis owed money to, and he's having Mickey go through the records to see if there are any antiques that they might be looking for. Johnny brings up the fact that he saw the police searching the river again. But once again, Jack poo-poos Johnny's hunch, and I thought he might have learned after the last episode, but no, and says that the bodies they're finding are not the bodies of the women that have disappeared, which makes it even more strange to Johnny and to me, too. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they know better at this point? No. (laughs) And then I think Mickey pipes in with, the police don't seem to think the bodies are related to the disappearances, which is ridiculous. This police force, the most inept police force ever, they're going by what the police say and taking their word for it? Really? (laughs) How many times have we talked about this police force? (laughs) Yeah. You'd think they never hunted for an antique before. And that always blows me away in these episodes. Like, really? Yeah. So, back in the 1700s, the Marquis has his assistant bring Stephanie upstairs. After they've gone, he goes to a locked room with other girls in it and takes one of them. He puts a rolled up message into her hands and shoves her through the painting to Ebby. So, I guess the painting is supposed to depict the charnel pit. Which is, and this is from the Suffolk Heritage Explorer, and I'll link that on the website too. It's a pit used for the reburial of disarticulated human remains from many individuals, occasionally displaying sorting of remains, e.g. grouping of skulls or long bones, distinct from mass burials which contain articulated skeleton remains. So apparently they take certain body parts and rebury them together, like a bunch of skulls and a bunch of legs. Oh. And I don't know what the point of it is. They never really explain what the reason for that is, but okay. So this maid comes through the portal dead, and Abby grabs the paper in her hand. I can't read it, but I'm assuming it's one of the unpublished notes that they were talking about would be worth money later. Yeah. So at the store, Mickey finds the record from the invoice that Uncle Louis did a lot of business and traveling for Arnold Eby, who we know is the professor's father, except they don't know yet. Mickey finds an address on the last delivery, and Jack recognizes it as Harold LaFontaine, an art appraiser. So Jack and Johnny head off to see Harold while Mickey has an appointment with someone named Mrs. Hudson about another antique. So back at the Marquis, his assistant comes to wake him up because a general has come to see him. He asks if he should hide the woman, who we don't see, I don't think. I couldn't see her. Could you see anybody? No, not really. Okay. And the Marquis says yes, permanently. So the general tells him that another peasant woman's body was found on his property. It seems he's been in jail before, we find out from the general. And the Marquis says he was in jail on justly and does not seem to have a good relationship with the king or his generals. So Catherine comes to see Ebby at his office. He's distracted by the lost manuscripts he may have just found, but Catherine tells him that Stephanie never came back to her dorm and that she saw her leaving with him yesterday. She threatens to go to the police if she doesn't come back soon. I always have a problem with this. People are dealing with criminals and they're just about out the door and safe and then they have to announce that they're going to the police. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then they get killed. I'm just shaking my head. I'm sorry, folks. You can't see me, but... (laughs) Right. And it's not just this show. That happens in a lot of shows. They're almost out the door. Just go and go to the police. You don't have to announce it. Right. Because then you're dead. 
Of course, he knocks her out, and then he pulls up to his house with a body in a rolled-up carpet in broad daylight with her arm hanging out for Mickey to see because she's right across the street waiting for Mrs. Hudson. (laughs) So Mickey goes into the house and tries to knock him out and does, but in the struggle, she gets a bloody mouth and touches the painting with the blood on her hands. She gets pulled into the painting as... Eddie's waking up from his knock on the head and he sees her go through. So one of the maids sees that she came out of the painting and she touches it and goes through. But because the marquee didn't send her, she has no piece of manuscript. So Ebby thinks he's done something wrong. And then Mickey sees a letter and figures out that she's in 1790. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Jack and Johnny find out from the art dealer that the father, Ebby, mostly had him examining double-sided paintings that have a name, and I'm not going to try and pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Did you even hear it? I didn't even hear it, really. Yeah, they said something. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he tells them that the last items he authenticated were from the 18th century, but they were, as he said, applied to the canvas with human blood. He also said that Ebby, the father, said the images were so real you felt as if you could step into them. So back at the Marquise, Mickey sneaks into a room and reads the letter she found earlier. It was from the peasant girl to her employer, a duchess who was due to arrive there shortly. All of the duchess's clothes were shipped ahead, and Mickey just happens to end up in that room. This is where I got confused about the Catherine, because she signs it Catherine, so I don't know what the other blind girl's name is. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to keep calling her Catherine, because I don't know what Mm -hmm. her name is. Johnny's worried that Mickey isn't back yet, but Jack doesn't seem concerned. So they haven't found a listing for the painting, but Jack thinks it's like a window in time. But he says Lewis could have done that with any painting. This one had to be different. This one must have a different power, something to do with life and death. Jack is also a little more worried about Nikki than he seemed to be a few minutes before. Catherine is tied up and awake at the professor's house, and he sees the maid dead on the floor. He tells Catherine that he didn't kill her, but he has an arrangement with his, air quotes, teacher. He sends him women, and if the women please him, He'll send him knowledge via a messenger who doesn't survive the journey. Back in the 1700s, Mickey is wearing the clothes from the room. The Marquis comes in and believes she's the Duchess. First, he wants to know if she had spoken with her maid, because he thinks the maid's missing and doesn't know she went through the painting at this point, and is worried that she'll tell the Duchess what's been going on there. Mickey says she hasn't. And then he invites her to the chateau that evening. So Jack learns that Mickey never showed up at Mrs. Hudson's, and Johnny comes in to tell him that the police found another body in the river. Now they're worried. Well, Johnny was always worried. Meanwhile, at the Chateau, a countess arrives, but she's been sent to spy by the general, who's still trying to get 
decide on anything again. Mickey finally hears the Marquis's name, and you can see on her face she knows exactly who he is. So the Countess talks to Mickey about the dead peasant girls and how she was sent there to dig up dirt on him. But she didn't want to do that, so she informed him as soon as she arrived that she was sent, you know, to get information. Yeah. So Mickey gets caught sneaking around the Marquis's chambers, but she plays it up like she's interested in his reputation. And actually, she does end up being kind of interested. And she finds a room that he says is for his private pleasures. She asks to see it, and he takes her in. It's the room where she came in from the painting. I didn't know what she was sneaking around looking for, but I guess she was sneaking around trying to find the room where she came in. And he said that he painted it in prison. So she gets him to talk about his preferences and prison. But he gets called away before anything can happen to Mickey. The general's arrived and is sending all his guests away, and they found another body in the woods. And I'm assuming that's Stephanie. So back at the store, Johnny wants to call the police, but Jack thinks that she hasn't been missing long enough to be reported missing. But they do know that the body they found wasn't Mickey. So Johnny says there's an equal amount of missing women as there are bodies, even though they don't match. None of the women found had any type of dental work done, so the police can't check their dental records. Johnny asks what's the odds that none of these women have any type of dental work, not even a filling. And Jack finally realizes that the odds are good if they are from another time when dental work wasn't a thing. So they assume it's the painting and that a live woman disappears into time and a dead woman comes back. So back at Dussad's house, Mickey writes a letter explaining her situation. And as she's narrating her letter, we see the Marquis and the Countess doing what he does. Mickey admits to being fascinated by him and his aura of power. She describes him as irresistible. <laughs> There is nothing irresistible about this man. But anyway. A little sleazy, yeah. <laughs> so she hides a letter in a box that I believe Jack had mentioned that Abby the father had. So she hides it in this box and Dusad comes in her room. So Jack has done more research and finds that the dates of the disappearances and the bodies found match. He also assumes that it doesn't let you make the journey back alive. So now they're worried that if Mickey ended up in the painting that she's not going to be able to get back alive. So Johnny found that Ebby, the father, left everything to his son, the professor. But he's not at the number that they had in the records. So Johnny also found that Ebby, the father, wrote a few books on the Marquis du Sade, which really worries both of them. And you could see that in Jack's face. Mickey and Dusad go off horseback riding, and she makes it known that she's interested. He tells her that he can devise tests that will break her, and she says, let's see. So the professor brings Catherine food. She's tied up and bruised. He is gross. I'm not going to go into detail with him, and I skipped the whole other last scene with him and her. So just know that she's alive, tied up and bruised. He's gross and sweaty and disgusting. Yes. Something we could agree on. Yep, yep, yep. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Yep. Two gross men. So Johnny and Jack find out that Professor Eby moved back to town three months ago, which is when the murder started. They also find a record of Eby's father's house being on the same street where Mickey was supposed to have that appointment. So they leave hoping that Eby held on to his father's house, and that's where they'll find him. Mickey meets Dusad in his torture room and puts on a good show of standing up to him until he shows her the body of the Countess. He has figured out that the servant, who never showed up at the inn, the place where they were sure she would go, must have gone through the painting, and Mickey came through from the future. I don't know how they figured that out, but they did. So in present day, Jack and Johnny are breaking into the house. E.B. is selecting a torture tool to use on Catherine, if that's her name, and E.B. hears the stairs creak and knows somebody's there. They find the room, but E.B. hits Jack over the head and knocks him out. 
1790, Dusad is chaining up Mickey and preparing her for torture. In the present day, Johnny's fighting with the professor. He touches the painting and sees Mickey and jumps through it. Now he has to fight the assistant on the other side. This guy does all their fighting for them. He has to fight with the professor, then he goes through the painting, he has to fight with the, the assistant, and then he has to fight with Dusad, too. But he's able to shove the assistant through the painting to Evie. The assistant had his knife drawn when he went through and ends up stabbing Evie when he hits the other side. So now Johnny's fighting Dusad. On the other side, Jack is awake. He takes Evie's blood and wipes it on the paintings. Johnny overtakes Dusad and unchains Mickey. He throws the two dead bodies back, hoping that the painting will work in reverse. And Mickey and Johnny both are able to get through alive, except that Mickey took a hell of a long time to jump through because she was contemplating on killing Dusad, but she didn't. So they both get through alive. So later in the vault, Mickey notices the box that she hid her letter in, and when she checks, it's still there. So because she explained how the painting worked in the letter, she believes that this is how E.B. found out how to work the painting and that all the deaths were her fault, which technically they were, I think. But Jack gives her one of his speeches about evil, blah, 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 and she's over it. I mean, it it was up to the guy to use it and kill people, but it was kind of her fault too, you know, because we know that some of the artifacts affect the people. And even if he didn't start out evil, having the artifact could have made him evil. So, yeah, I think it was part of her fault. I lost it too. Yeah. But you know what? It's funny. And we talked before we started recording about how this got canceled abruptly and they didn't know that this was the last episode. The way they closed the vault at the end and we just saw the doors closing from the inside of the vault, it kind of looked like an end of something. Did it to you? Yeah. And one thing I know, the box wasn't in the vault, though. It wasn't? No. When they closed it, mm -mm, she still had a letter in her hand, too. Oh, maybe she did, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, so something was unfinished. There's probably episodes that were coming up. Because even the look on her face, I think something else was supposed to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of things were supposed to happen that we didn't get to see. But um, I'm going to go back to Mickey at the lady's door. And I'm going, didn't they have 911? And I know I said it in another episode. Right, right. Why are you following a man with a body and you go in the house? Yeah, and if she doesn't do it on her own, they always send her. Remember we said before, Mickey, you go talk to the rapist and we'll go look through the manifest. Yeah. She's always does, she always does that stuff alone, whether they're sending her alone or she decides to do it alone. Right. Yes, I'm sure they had 911. I mean, maybe she had to find a phone booth, but, you know, still. Right, but the thing, too, was she took the note off the lady's door. Right. And nobody said, well, she said the note was missing, so Mickey had to come by. Right, exactly. And I got nothing. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then how come the guys that they use are all look like they sweaty and, I don't know, just... Yeah. I know, but I think it was on purpose and we were supposed to be uncomfortable. That's the reason why everybody was sweaty and gross, I think. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, I don't even want to see this. I don't want this picture in my head, especially the EB guy. Because he would just, yeah. he just seemed disgustingly sweaty once he had Catherine, or whatever her name was, there with him. So, did you like this episode or not like it? I mean, nah, not really. To a certain extent, yeah. Everything was predictable. You know, it was the same. Well, you should have called the cops. You go in an empty place. You don't know what's behind the door anymore. And the painting was kind of different. Because I remember hearing, I think, about paint, uh, paintings that were two-sided. Yeah, I think that's a thing, but... I couldn't remember the name they gave it, so I couldn't look it up to see what the deal was with those. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting, but um, 
it was just really too much of a dark side. I, I kind of like the, the ball scene and I like the fashion of the women. Yeah, I like history pieces too. Yeah, I do like that mm-hmm. part of it, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that in the music. So that part I enjoyed. Yeah, it was okay. But it was disappointing that it ended up being the last of the series. Yeah. And it's unfortunate they couldn't finish it properly. So the one thing that I could find online was that the plan was at some point Jack was going to find some spell to reverse the curses on the items in the vault. Now, I don't know if that's how the show was going to end or if he could only reverse the curses on the items they had and they were still going to have to hunt to get the rest back so he could take the curse off. But I kind of like to think that even if they were able to reverse all the curses that they'd still stay together and maybe concentrate on hunting other kinds of evil. Yeah. You know, since they have experience in it. But I have to say, a lot of people complain about this third season because of Johnny instead of Ryan. I Mm -hmm. liked the changes they were making in this season. Like, it wasn't the -the run-of-the-mill hunt an antique, everybody dies, get the antique. There was a lot of different things. Sometimes they actually saved people. And I liked the way this season was going. And I have to say that my two favorite episodes of the entire series, the one with the locket, repetition, and the last one I did, Tree of Life, are my absolute favorites of the entire series. They were really good. Mm. It also had two of three of my most hated episodes, Hate on Your Dial and My Life is a Dog. And as everyone should know at this point, and if you don't, you're missing something, that my number one most hated episode is the Mulcher Woodchipper one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't say because half of them I can't remember. You know, um, there were some of them were just interesting. But even as far as Ryan, Johnny has more, I want to say he got more balls. Yes, definitely. And I like that he's a fighter because he's a protector. Ryan, he had a more emotional side or, you know what I mean? It was like he was softer. He just had more heart, even though Johnny has heart, but you also got balls. Exactly. And, you know, this season, of course, had its clunkers like every season, but I really liked the way it was going. Mm-hmm. They were doing different things, you know, and then there was the long road home. They already got the artifact at the beginning and they and they ended up having to use the artifact that they got at the beginning to get them out of trouble with these two crazy men. But Mickey and Johnny, they were starting a relationship in that episode and then there was nothing else about it. Right. It was just... I liked the things they were trying to do to change it up. And so I'm I'm sad that it ended like this. Like, they couldn't just give them one more episode to just kind of wrap things up. You know, I wanted to see some follow-up with Ryan. You know, does he remember now? Does he not remember now? Right, yeah, you know? that would have been nice to have, like, a cameo. Right. They didn't even need him. They needed a little kid yeah. to play him. And there was nothing. And I'm wondering if that was in the plan at some point, but I don't know. But, you know, overall, I'm glad that I watched it again. You know, I haven't seen it in so many years. I know this was your first time. And as I said, I remember saying to you many years ago, because you asked me about Star Trek, should I watch the original series first? And I said no, because the people have watched it, are used to it. Going back and watching something from the 60s will probably turn you off Mm -hmm. if you've never seen it before. Like, I went back and tried to watch the early Doctor Whos, and I couldn't do it. Couldn't take it. 
So I know that going back and watching something from the late 80s is hard for somebody who hasn't seen it the first time through. Mm -hmm. So I get you have a different perspective. Although there wasn't that many times we disagreed on an an episode. We did, but not that many. So we kind of had the same perspective. But as having seen it before and thinking that I remembered liking it, it's different when I watch it again than when you watch it and never seen it before and how badly it's aged. Is there anything else about the series or the episode that you want to mention? Uh, it was an interesting series. It was interesting. All right. So I'd like to thank Kim for going on this journey with me. It's been three years, like we said. Actually, more than that, because she did the Eureka series with us on the other website. So it's been probably six years, maybe. Wow. So, I know. It goes by fast. Yeah. Doesn't it? And I'd also like to thank Doug from Yeah, That Can't Be Good and Elizabeth from Mom's Going Boldly for filling in during this past season. I think Elizabeth did two, maybe three episodes. I can't remember now, but Doug did a few. And don't unfollow us because we still, at some point, will come back with the second webisode from Warehouse 13. Not right away, but we will. And if we find any content from Warehouse 13 or Friday the 13th that looks like something we could talk about, I also have a movie that I told you about a long time ago, and I haven't watched it, which is supposed to also be like Friday the 13th, the series. From Beyond the Grave. But it's from the 70s. I haven't watched it. But we talked about a long time ago doing that, too. But it's not going to be on a regular basis. We'll be back, but not regularly. And at some point in time, not right away, but at some point, Kim and I talked about going back to the Yeah, That Can't Be Good podcast and doing God Friended Me because it's kind of Eureka related because Joe Morton is in it. Just like Wonderfalls is kind of Eureka related because Neil Grayson is in it. So, see, at some point we'll do that. I can't tell you when, but keep the buttons pushed. <laughs> the, the follow buttons pushed so you're notified of new content. All right. So, I guess we're done unless you can think of anything else. No, I just want to say thank you Fun. to the listeners. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, started this just because it was kind of a Warehouse 13 type show. Not thinking that anybody would listen because it's so old and it wasn't streaming. But we had a lot of listeners. And we still have a lot of listeners. So... That's why we decided to go week by week, one episode at a time, because that wasn't the intent at all when we started this. So thanks, everybody, for listening and sticking with us. And like I said, keep the follow button pushed, because we'll be back if we come across any kind of content that relates to Warehouse 13 or Friday the 13th. All right, so we'll see you at some point. Bye. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.